When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Thursday on the Horn, it's Hook them Up with E and Rod B. Rod's going to hook you up with another rant coming up, deep dive conversations and what's on his mind in and around the world of football, Longhorns, Cowboys, Texans. All good storylines right now. NFL's a really good one tonight. AFC North battle, Bengals, Ravens. Kind of a must-win game for the for the uh, Bengals tonight. I mean, yep. kinda, it is. Yep, agreed. They need the win. They've already lost to the Ravens once this year when J- Joe Burrow was kind of struggling early with that calf injury, and now he's healthy. No T. Higgins tonight. We'll see Joe Burrow. Usually comes up clutch in spots like this. Uh, Lamar Jackson's been really good this year, too, for the Ravens. That's a finally a really fun Thursday night game. Yeah, no, I think they haven't had a good one since, like, week one, I think you said, but... This is a must-watch television. I feel like I feel like a playoff game, kind of early on in the season. It does. It, it, and, it's a playoff you know, feel, and it will have playoff implications for both of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. It will have implications, big picture, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, by the way, next week on Thanksgiving, we've got our Thanksgiving oh, games, no, right? Yeah. Speaking of Dan slate. Campbell and his Lions, they play the Packers. Oh. Cowboys play the Commanders, and the uh, Seahawks play the Niners. I believe that Thursday. Now that'll night. be that should be a, at least a decent game, competitive. I don't know about the other two. I'm not sure because the Packers. I know they're a rival, but yeah, that's a rivalry game. But Detroit, Detroit, Detroit looks good, man. They're rolling seven and two, right there behind the Eagles for the uh, best record in the AFC. Uh, Yeah, Niners, Seahawks. Remember the Niners uh, beat Jacksonville last week. Then you know they've got this quick turnaround, but they're trying to reestablish themselves as the best team in the NFC. Cowboys are in that conversation. Both teams will be playing. How about that on uh, on Thanksgiving? You get this is already looking to next week, but talking about Thursday games. You get the Lions, the Cowboys, and the uh, 49ers, and the Seahawks, all likely NFC playoff teams, and this where are they going to be seated? I agree with that. Only heavyweight you don't get in that day is Philadelphia. Yeah. I'll get, I'll We're going to play the Chiefs that. on Monday night, Rod. Yeah, that's crazy. Super Bowl rematch. Yeah, man. That's, that's, you don't get that during the season. Feast of yeah. football is on its way. It's going to be fantastic. Also, Longhorns getting ready for Iowa State. Hey, by the way, we have breaking news. Breaking news from the world of baseball. Uh, they're going to announce the MVP awards later this afternoon. Last night they announced uh, Cy Young, and it was Garrett Cole and Blake Snell. Nice. You know. But uh, MVP, a lot of Ranger fans are asking about Corey Seager. Corey Seager likely to not win that. Shohei Otani is going to win the MVP. I mean, how um, could he not? It'd be a- even though he missed the last month. And, again, Ranger Bruce Bochy didn't win that. The manager of the year probably should have, but it was a regular season award. And those votes come in right when the season's over. And they don't announce them until now. So the writers who vote on it – when the season's over, before the playoffs start, that's when the vote goes in. So mm-hmm. it's all based on what happened in the regular year. But uh, there's bigger news than that because MLB, MLB owners today have unanimously approved the relocation of the Oakland Athletics to become the Las Vegas Athletics. Yeah. Foregoing, we knew that was. Done deal. Yeah. We, unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah. So it means that everybody was on board. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you thought one or two teams would have opposed it, but what would have been the reason for opposition? Every major league wants to be. Every major pro sports league wants to be in Vegas. Yeah, they are. They are now. And listen, this will be – I'm a huge baseball fan. You know this. But it's going to be – when it gets done, they're going to be – got to build a stadium now right there. But it's going to be – I'm pretty sure by by, the map of Vegas, 
they're going to build that stadium pretty close to where the F1 race is right now, like where they built the paddock and the, 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 the main grandstands for the F1 race this weekend. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's about the spot uh, or close to it. But uh, the Vegas A's are going to build a stadium. City will build it. And that'll be a cool – I mean, you always love going to Vegas. And if you're an NFL – like if you're in the NFC – in the AFC West – you know every, week, every year your team's going to have a game in Vegas. So yep. if you're a Chiefs fan or a Broncos fan, um, you know, Chargers, you can always say, man, I'm getting some tickets. I'm going to go to that game. I'll spend the weekend in Vegas. That'll be awesome. Now baseball fans can do it too. If you're an Astros or Rangers fan, you're in the division. There's going to be some series in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get ahead of the schedule, get some tickets, go out and see a couple ball games. Oh, yeah. How much fun would that be? Oh, yeah. Because with no football, doubt. you get one game. Baseball, you can see a you know, Saturday-Sunday game, get out of there Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's going to be good for the, for the sport, and it'll be, be great, great for the Oakland A's. Who, you know, the fans aren't the reason they're leaving. The fan support there has been pretty good in Oakland. And Billy Bean with Moneyball, they did, they did a good job for a long time. But they just play in a decrepit old stadium that's, that's a dump. And it's the same reason the, the, the Oakland Raiders moved. Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? We just, the stadium's right. just not serving. Both going to Vegas. And you can hate it. It's <laughs> kind of like college football today. You can hate a lot about, a lot about it, but at the same time, to, to be competitive, you've got to be able to have the luxury suites and you know, the new stadiums and the roof that they're going to have. And it'll give them a, you know, a competitive advantage that they don't have right now in Oakland. I mean, they have a disadvantage playing out there in uh, the will, Bay Area. Will they spend money once they get to Vegas, though, because Oakland notoriously has cheap owners, yeah. cheap billionaires, which is the worst kind of billionaire. Um, but will they start now starting to spend money, investing money, I should say, in That's that roster argument. and in the team? Because now you're in Vegas, man. Can't be cheap in Vegas. Can't be cheap in Vegas. Well, that was a question <laughs> for Mark Davis when he got to Vegas. Would he start investing in the team? And he did. He has. I mean, Devontae, Devontae Adams. Adams and, yeah, he did. Know, which, you know. Mm-hmm. He, John, John Gruden, he, they did that anticipation. That gave John, they paid two coaches big-time contracts. Yeah. No, be, <laughs> and for fans, that'll be really cool, too, because you know, it's hard to get Astros tickets. hard to get Rangers tickets next year, I promise you. But you can get, you know, start getting their tickets for the A's games. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. Well, just, if you're just an NFL fan, if you happen to be in Vegas, you know, during one of those seasons, you definitely look up, like, oh, man, who's playing in Vegas? What yeah, are they playing? That's right. Just in case you might want to go and watch the game. Well, of course. And all the casinos there. I mean, that, those, those stadiums and those arenas are going to stay packed because all the casinos, they use them as prizes and stuff like that, and they're giving away tickets. 100%. That kind of stuff it just it just makes so much sense to have pro sports in vegas it's just the stigma of betting and gambling you know obviously made it impossible for a lot of leagues uh, but now the gold rush is on yeah and he's <laughs> gonna want to on. uh you know and you know they're gonna you know, lebron james wants to own the, the nba team that comes to vegas and, and they already got it like uh their presence there because of the summer they got a summer league stuff happening there they have something else that happens in vegas what is it uh ty there's another nba related thing that happens in vegas all the time. summer league and then, they're uh, like a meetings or something. I forgot what it is. But they do. They, they've tried to have a presence. The combines there, too. Okay, there you go. This yeah, become a, like the hub. They, yeah. This one they all NBA players. That's where USA, I think the USA basketball headquarters is there, too. They train. Yes. Good point, Ty. Yes, you're right. So, yeah, they've done a few things. They've been trying to creep into Vegas for, for a few years. And now they have the sphere. By the way, did you see the uh, – I didn't see the Netflix – you know, the Netflix Cup series or event they had this week where they had the F1 drivers against the professional golfers. It's one of the videos I saw, though, that went viral. So these guys were teeing off, and, you know, the sphere's right there by the golf course. Mm-hmm. And it was lit up like a big yellow emoji with eyes, and the, it would follow the ball. Like, wherever the ball would go. It was the weirdest damn thing. Yeah. It was so off-putting. 
Like this thing is like right here. This yeah. big old marble it's looking amazing. deal. It really is. I can't wait till they start doing like yeah, sports related stuff in there. You said they're gonna have an MMA fight in there, right? That's what Dana White says. <clears throat> Dana White wants to do an MMA fight he would there do it first. That makes sense. He'd do it first. Yeah, and uh, he's pretty bold. And as we told you, the owner of that sphere is the owner of the New York Knickerbockers, James Dolan. And apparently they took a pretty good loss in year one, but obviously they built that thing for the long haul. Oh yeah, they're gonna yeah, they're, they're gonna take losses it. for a while, yeah, but eventually. They'll keep it packed. It's like the mood. You'll take some losses, but then you, <laughs> in, in the end, you'll make it all back. And it's one of those, it's a destination. you got to do it. It's a bucket list thing now. Uh, our friend J.J. Gotch, the uh, president of the Austin Gamblers, he went to see a U2 concert there when, when the Gamblers were out there at the, at the uh, PBR championship, oh, yes, right, right, the playoffs. Um, you know, he went to, he said it was the most amazing visual spectacle he's ever seen. And wow. he's seen a lot of cool things in his yeah. days. I said it was just I'm almost overwhelming. Yeah. The I don't know if I can do it. It might be too stimulating might for be, me. Me too. Like, in terms of, like, you know, they, they, when you go to, like, uh, when you go to see a movie and you go to the IMAX or stuff like that, and they, they say it's like Star Wars or something, yeah. they give you the warning, like, hey, man, this could actually be overstimulating for some of you. Uh, you've got, if you're epileptic or stuff like that, you probably shouldn't uh, watch this. Uh, I wonder if it's like that for some people because it might be, like, hours of that. Oh. Where it's just constantly you're being like overwhelmed and overstimulated. I don't know if I can handle that, honestly. Well, and you've seen the videos where Bono and the, the U2's on stage, and they're so small, but then there's this enormous. Yeah, yeah the screen. It's like the IMAX thing, but it's the entire place. It's yeah. so crazy. Uh, but it, you kind of got to go at some point if you can afford to get in yeah, and just see something in if there. you can afford it. If you can make it happen. Yeah. All right, coming up, we'll get a Rod's rant. Also, uh, we now have audio of Jimbo Fisher's what turned out to be his final speech to his team. After their win on Saturday, uh, pretty emotionless. We'll let you hear this because you know A and M is the the, uh, the centerpiece of that show, The Pulse. Yes, uh, the kind of behind the scenes. So there's a video now that this episode will come out of Jimbo Fisher. Remember, he didn't get to meet with the team after he was fired. Yeah, they they said we're good. Put the kibosh on that. You can just move along. <laughs> well, but we can actually play you what he said to his team after they beat Mississippi State 51 to 10, and you can decide. Some some suggesting it indicates maybe he knew because remember the board of regents meeting was that Thursday. And that's where the decision was made that we're, we're yeah. moving. And then they had to play the game on Saturday. And uh, so we'll, we'll hear that coming up. Uh, also, we'll get to the uh, who said that before the end of the hour as we're getting you ready for the NFL week with Bengals and Ravens tonight. Uh, Rod's giving you the deep dive analysis of Iowa State, which is a big one. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. But right now, can we get Rod's second rant of a uh, Thursday morning? Good stuff with uh, Rod. What's, what's, you know, what's bouncing around in his sphere? This morning. <laughs> Rod's Rant of the Day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car, any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back. Time for Rod's rant of the day. And I want to get into um, some really C.J. Stroud slash Dak Prescott conversation. Trust me, I'll bring it full circle and link, uh, link the two uh, topics. But first, we'll start with some audio. John McClain, formerly of Crown.com, he's retired since, but he's really plugged into the NFL circles and really plugged into the Texans. That's what we used to cover. And we got into a conversation yesterday 
about the, uh, the, 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 the Panthers and Bryce Young, and we were talking about the Texans as well. And there was a uh, – and my man, he actually threw it out there. This is before uh, Dave Tepper made his comments today, which we we'll probably play that for you as well, saying there was a trade scenario uh, where the Panthers and the Texans were thinking about swapping spots, one and two. But we'll get to that here in just a second. But the, uh, the conversation earlier this week, we were talking about C.J. Stroud potentially being in the MVP conversation <laughs> – um, the hypothetical, but I mean, it was if the Texans were picking at number one, let's say they did not screw up the tank, right? Um, and they actually were drafted number one. Would they have drafted CJ Stroud or would they have drafted Bryce Young, all right, who was higher on their board? Here's John McClain, and he was very plugged in. He claims he's got the answer to that question. Was there really any trepidation about drafting the Ohio State quarterback who, like you said, is the leader right now for the offensive rookie of the year. And he could be in the MVP conversation yeah. too. But I think, and mm -hmm. they'll never admit this, if they'd had the number one pick, they would have taken Bryce Young, even though there were a lot of people out there who had Stroud rated over Bryce Young. And they didn't hesitate to take him second overall. They never paid any attention to the S2 cognition test. They don't subscribe to it. They only went by what they saw. And D'Amico played a big role in it. He wanted Stroud. The Serial said, all right, let's get him. They got him. Then they traded up with Will Anderson uh, to get him his third overall pick. And they still have picks left from the trade for Watson to Cleveland. So it's not like they're mm -hmm. going to be destitute in the draft. But uh, I think it was Young and then Stroud. All right, there you go. He's saying that the Texans probably would have taken Bryce Young if they had the number one overall pick. And I do believe this. Um, I would love to think the Texans, you know, they, they were so savvy in their evaluation that C.J. Stroud was the only quarterback they wanted. But the truth is, most teams and most evaluators don't know what they're doing when it comes to quarterback. The late, great Bill Walsh put it best when he said, very few people can evaluate the quarterback position. Even fewer can develop the quarterback position. It's probably truer now than it was even back then. <laughs> All right? And it's the toughest position to project or to predict, uh, to develop and evaluate, in my opinion, in all of sports. And you need a lot of luck on your side when it comes to the quarterback position and the Texans, they're no different. All right. They, they could easily have looked into CJ Stroud. And I throw this out there too. Cause I, I, you know, I think about the, the, the Patriots all the time with Tom Brady. And I think about, you know, Bill Belichick. And now people are very critical of Bill Belichick these days because he's not winning games without Tom Brady. Even more, <laughs> it shows you even more so the example of what is possible when you pick the right quarterback and what can happen when you don't have the right quarterback, right? And Bill Belichick is experiencing that right now. But think about it. Tom Brady was drafted in the sixth round. And Bill Belichick, one thing that he did, he figured out early on, was that picking and choosing a quarterback is, is mostly luck. And he, he knew they lucked upon uh, Tom Brady. That was, you know, they, they basically forced gumped their way into Tom Brady. He could have been drafted 31 other teams in five previous rounds, but they drafted him in the sixth round. And we know this because after Tom Brady wins his first Super Bowl and becomes a franchise quarterback, signs his big deal, they keep drafting quarterbacks. Because he's looking for the next Tom Brady. He figures, I'm stumbling into another one if I just keep drafting him. And he does. He drafts Rohan Davey in 2002 in the fourth round. Drafts Cliff Kingsbury in 2003 in the sixth round. Matt Castle in the seventh round in 05. Kevin O'Connell in the third round in 08. Zach Robinson in the seventh round in 2010. Ryan Mallett in the third round in 2011. Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round in 2014. Jacoby Brissett in the third round in 2016. Danny Etling. I mean, Jared Stidham. They just kept drafting quarterbacks. 
Because I think Bill Belichick understood, listen, if we stumbled and lucked upon Tom Brady, maybe we'll stumble and luck upon another quarterback. Did they? Uh, no. You, it's Tom Brady's a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. But, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, Matt Castle, they drafted quarterbacks that ended up becoming starters for other teams. Essentially, in my opinion, does, thus giving some credibility and some credence to my theory that nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks. You just got to give yourself options. Think about Ron Wolf, the famous uh, the, uh, former GM for the Packers, right? Hall of Fame GM. And when he was with the Packers, he would always say, if I could, I'd draft a quarterback every damn year. He said, they won't let me. But if I could, I'd draft one every year just trying to find the next great quarterback. And he didn't draft one every year, but what did he do? He stockpiled that, that Packers organization with quarterbacks consistently. Right in the Favre years, <clears throat> the Favre had backups like Mark Brunel, Matt Hasselback, Aaron Brooks, Kurt Warner. I remember the quarterbacks they kept drafting. They drafted Matt Hasselback. They drafted, uh, they you know Mark Brunel, Ty Detmer. These are all quarterbacks that ended up being backups for the uh, the Packers, either as draft picks or guys they acquired because they were always just collecting quarterbacks because they were just looking for the next great quarterback. Brett Favre was the one they traded for, and they found him too. So they were always acquiring quarterbacks, maybe not always in a draft, but acquiring them. This is one of my concerns about the Cowboys. They have a bad organizational habit of not drafting quarterbacks. They've drafted the fewest quarterbacks in the NFL since 1999, and it's just a bad habit. And you would think the, the, the Cowboys, of all these organizations, that they would learn that quarterback evaluation and develop is mostly luck. And you got to make your own luck by essentially acquiring more and more of those quarterbacks. The Eagles have figured it out, right? The Eagles have won Super Bowls and went back to Super Bowls in the last, what, five years with different quarterbacks that they drafted, right? They drafted Big Blank Nick. They lost him and then acquired him again to help them come win a Super Bowl. After drafting Carson Wentz and then drafting Jalen Hurts, they got him back to the Super Bowl last year. Because they understand it's mostly luck. Nobody thought Jalen Hurst would become an MVP. Most of y'all thought that's a bad draft pick. I remember when he was drafted, everybody went, that's a terrible draft pick by Doug Peterson. I went, actually, I like it. And people were like, that's a terrible draft pick. And I went, I kind of like it. Turns out, it's pretty damn good. But you got to keep drafting quarterbacks, man. And the thing about the Cowboys is they have arguably been the luckiest team in the NFL when it comes to quarterbacks. They had an undrafted free agent end up as a franchise quarterback. That does not happen, folks. It is so rare to have an undrafted free agent like Tony Romo end up as a franchise quarterback. It's happened maybe three times in NFL history. You're talking about in modern history. Kurt Warner, maybe Warren Moon. Those were extenuating circumstances. But Tony Romo is a miracle. You're damn right he was. Because undrafted free agents don't become franchise quarterbacks. That was luck. And even Dak Prescott was a happy accident. He's Viagra. They didn't know Viagra was going to be Viagra when they made it. They were making uh, a a drug for for heart conditions, right? It was a cardiovascular drug, and they saw the one of the side effects and went. Actually, it works more. It works better with the side effect than it does for the intended use. Happy accident. Let's call it Viagra. Keep it moving. All right. And guys are thankful everywhere ever since. The whole point of Dak was Dak was a third-string quarterback behind Kelly Moore, behind Tony Romo. Never was supposed to be the franchise quarterback or the heir apparent. He ends up being that guy because you never know. Who's going to end up being your franchise crew B? Look at Brock freaking Purdy. You think the 49ers thought, we'll bring, we'll bring in Jimmy Garoppolo. 
They will draft a quarterback in the top five, Trey Lance, after giving up, um, I don't know, multiple first-round and early-round picks to draft this guy. Then we'll have to trade him to the Cowboys for what? A fourth-round pick or whatever you trade to the Cowboys for? And we'll let Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy be our franchise quarterback. No. Picking a quarterback is like picking a significant other. The woman you marry, she's not the hottest woman you ever dated. She's the one that was most compatible with you. And by the way, you never know who's compatible with you until you go on some dates. <laughs> you got to date a few people to find out this is what I like, this is what I don't like. Oh, we're compatible and we're not. And that's my problem with the Cowboys. Now, Dak is playing great now, but that Dak was a happy accident. They should always be looking for the next one. That's why I applauded the Trey Lance acquisition. Good for the Cowboys. They're drafting more quarterbacks now and acquiring more quarterbacks now. That is never a bad thing. That is always a good thing. It can always help you because nobody, as I repeat, nobody knows what the hell they're doing when it comes to quarterback. Very few, if any. Yeah, they're yeah. just taking, they're taking shots at the wall and seeing what sticks. They're throwing blank at the wall and seeing what sticks. And the more blank you throw at the wall, the more of it that will stick. No, I think that's well said about the dating. I mean, you can't you, you think you know about a quarterback, but you, you don't know what type of leader he is, what type of player he is until he's in the pocket. Exactly. And he's actually playing the game. Um, you know, college is so different than the pros, right? It's usually a one read or two read sport in college football. Uh, so you're, you know, coaches don't ask their quarterbacks to go through a lot of progressions, they right? Uh, NFL is a different animal, and you don't just you just don't know who's going to acclimate until you see it. And obviously, C.J. Stroud had the you know, going to the combine. Oh. C.J. Stroud, they, he said, "I'm a ball placement expert." Yep. Then um, that's his thing, and right, he is. I mean, he's the most accurate, one of the most accurate passers you'll ever see. But did you know that he could? You know, his post-snap recognition was that good. Mm. Uh, and is this impressive this early? Leadership. You knew his leadership was that good, too? Yeah, I know. Nobody uh, knew that. Nobody knew. Right? You know, because in college, it's, you know, you're not – I'm sure he did in his own ways. But at the same time, now he's the face of a franchise. He is the, the leader without a doubt. All right, so that's good stuff from Rod. There's your rant. We'll hear Jimbo Fisher's final final speech to his team. And we'll remind you, looks like Dan Campbell has turned down his alma mater. Rod had that story and off the record. Dan Campbell has been asked, apparently, about the, his interest in the AM job not interested wants to stay in the national football league so we'll get back to the aggie situation and the dominoes that could fall also who said that Who's before it? the end of the hour texas headed to ames iowa uh, we'll get you the latest it took him up with ian rod b aaron hogan rod babers hook em up 1019 am 1260 the horn Thursday on the horn, Rod with the good stuff on the quarterbacks. By the way, if you're keeping score, the Browns and Texans trade that uh, sent Deshaun Watson to Cleveland, which is looking more and more like one of the worst, if not the worst trades in NFL history for the Browns. Great for Houston. Browns got Deshaun Watson and then uh, inked a deal with him that is the only guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract in the history of pro football. The cap hits the next two years, next year and the following year for Deshaun Watson, $64 million. Ooh. Wow. And now out for the year, and he's going to have go undergo mm. surgery on his right shoulder. Uh, so far, Houston out of that trade picked Kenyon Green, oft injured guard with the 15th pick out of A&M, but the Texans still like him. Big picture on their offensive line. Will Anderson, Jr., that, tra- that, tra- that draft pick turned into Will Anderson. Damian Pierce and Tank Dell. Right? Uh, so those four players so far. and return. And they have the Browns' first-round pick this year and their fourth-round pick this year, so they can add two more pieces to that. And, of course, trading Deshaun Watson freed up the ability to use their own pick on C.J. Stroud. Yeah, and as I talk about the the psychological 
uh, oh. damage that was done having him within the organization. Remember, before all the allegations come out, he's he 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 basically protests, right? He decides he's not going to play for the Texans again. No, That's before was... the allegations came out. So he that was already this toxicity that existed uh, between the Texans and Deshaun Watson even before, obviously, the, the controversy and all the civil lawsuits. Oh, and... but. Remember, brutal. remember the Browns? Remember when Deshaun Watson was in control of this, right? Because he wanted to be traded and there were teams that wanted him. So Nick Casario, remember the way it played out? He's the general manager in Houston. He set a, a, a blueprint of what, what it was going to take, right? Mm-hmm. He had, he had, so there were teams that, that, uh, that Deshaun was willing to go to. Oh. And then Casario worked out compensation that they could agree to. And then he could start talking about contract with those teams, right? Yep. Once the, the, so it was three first-round picks, essentially, plus some other capital the fourth round pick we're talking about this year in that deal so once Casario got agreement from the teams then they could talk and remember Deshaun originally eliminated Cleveland from the discussion I remember this and it was going to be Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, or I think New Orleans was in them trying to think of the other team there was Atlanta Carolina was in the mix for the for this trade yep and so you got to think the compensation was similar from each team and in the end, you know, the Browns then wanted to get back in because they'd been eliminated, essentially. Mm-hmm. They later like, the Bachelor, you're off. <laughs> and that's when they came back in and Deshaun Watson, they agreed to the guaranteed deal. Guaranteed. And so uh, David Mulligetta, his agent, living right here in Austin, Texas, did a heck of a job negotiating. Oh. So if people ask you, how did he get that guaranteed contract? That's how. He's the Johnny Cochran of NFL agents. Right. And then, <laughs> and then Houston was like, sure, well, whoever, whoever's going to work out the deal, that's where you're going. We've worked out the compensation. So Houston got their three first-round picks plus more, and now they've used them to start to rebuild their roster. And so Nick Casario. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All that. I mean, at, drafted the right, ended up with the right quarterback, whether it was luck or not. Now you have your quarterback of the future. You've got four players already, and Will Anderson, Damian Pierce, and Tank Dell look like foundational type pieces to your team. Yep. And now you have two picks this year, uh, first rounder and a fourth rounder, to add another couple players. And you're not dealing with Deshaun Watson, who's now not the same player, and he's hurt, and now he's out for the year. That's an amazing situation. Game tonight is Ravens and uh, Cincinnati Bengals. One guy to watch tonight, right? If you haven't watched a lot of Ravens football, we've talked about them being 7-3, and three, but very well. Could be 10-0. and 0. They should be. There's a kid named Keaton Mitchell on their team. Have you seen this guy play? Uh, I'm not sure I have. Keaton Mitchell. Now, remember, they had J.K. Dobbins, their starting running back when the season began. He got hurt. Yep. He tore his Achilles. They the same can't week. keep a running back healthy in Baltimore. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, he gets hurt same weekend that uh, Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. You know, J.K. Dobbins out of LaGrange, Texas. He goes down. And so Gus Edwards is their lead running back. They, uh, but in the, in the uh, last year in the draft, Rod, they drafted a kid out of East Carolina named Keaton Mitchell, who was a stud at that level. And here's what he did. He went to the combine and ran 4-3. Ooh. 4-3. This is one of the fastest running backs in the NFL. Run, run. And so far, you know, they've gotten, you know, you know rookie running back. Sometimes they'll bring him along slowly. Mm-hmm. Well, he's now becoming more and more impactful in their offense. He had a long 40-yard touchdown run last week against the Browns, which he just ran away from their defense. He had a touchdown the week before. He's becoming the guy to watch. Uh, tonight, because you got you got to deal with Lamar Jackson. They've got Odell Beckham Jr. They've got uh, Mark Andrews at tight end. They've got weapons. Keaton Mitchell's become a guy. He just outruns plays. Yeah, he's, he's fast. He's kind of remind you. He'll kind of remind you of De- Devon A. Chain 
uh, Chan with the Dolphins, just like just so fast. Yeah. Uh, that that man, you think you got an angle on him? He makes and, NFL players look slow. Yes, that's, that means you're fast. Yes, everybody's fast up there. <laughs> yes, and so that's a guy to watch. He could be an X factor this evening. In the the bang of the Ravens are working him more and more into what they do offensively. Keaton Mitchell. Yeah, I think, and this, the thing that makes the Ravens so dangerous is the fact that this offense is still relatively new. For Lamar Jackson and for all the players, too. Now, there's yeah. no excuse for them dropping passes, which they were doing at a really high rate earlier this year. But they're still not truly acclimated and comfortable in this Todd Munkin offense. Essentially, he's running an air raid-ish offense with Lamar Jackson now. He's considered the pro-spread version of the air raid. And they, they I'm tell you, man, when they spread teams out and they're <clears> actually – like executing on schedule, they are really tough to deal with. But you can tell they uh, they're clunky at times because they're 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 not totally uh, fluid within this new offense. I think you could get this team hitting their like offensive peak at the perfect time late in the season when the playoffs are about to hit. Because like I said, Lamar Jackson in this spread offense, essentially they want to go back to what he was doing in college. And that type of spread offense, the, the offenses that they were running um, when he first got to the NFL, he won MVP running those offenses, but they were, they were too predictable in the fact that they would run a lot of heavy personnel packs, a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of multi-back sets, and it would bog down the offense, and you had less speed. He was the only speed factor on the field, and they would, they would surround him with heavy personnel because they wanted to run the football and be more run heavy. Remember, he was obviously the most run heavy quarterback in the NFL in his first few years. Not so much this year. Fewer runs, fewer quarterback runs, and way more spread sets. And fewer uh, heavy sets and way more spread sets with multiple wide receivers, three, four wide receivers on the field. That was something that was rare in his early years. And their defense is excellent, too. I mean, one of the best defenses in the league. And that's what the Bengals will deal with tonight. Kind of a must-win situation for Joe Burrow and company having lost to the Texans last week at home. All right, Rod, I want to play this for you. This is uh, We played it in our headlines, but here is the big news for Longhorn basketball yesterday. Trey Johnson. Trey J, as you're already calling him, I like that. Uh, 6'6", Lake Highlands out of the Dallas area, won a state title as a junior, now playing at the Link Academy in Branson, Missouri, his senior year, one of those prep schools. Well, here is uh, how it sounded yesterday. We played the highlight of him, you know, committing. Let's hear a little bit more with Pat McAfee on why he chose Texas. Let's hear this from yesterday's Pat McAfee show. This past summer, Trey, if you would like to let the world know where you will be taking your incredible talents next year, we would be honored to be in your presence while doing so. Uh, Yes, sir. I'll be going to the University of Texas. Hey, way to go, Trey. Happy for you. Now, dad going to be happy about this? How's the family going to respond, you think? I talked to him about it. He'll be okay with it. He'll live. Uh, when he talked to Kevin Durant and got to work out with him, how much did he have uh, say in this entire thing or influence in this all? And what do you expect out of your time at Texas when you get down there? Uh, yeah, I talked to him, bounced some ideas off his head. He said it's a good place to come in and hoop and just play great atmosphere and uh, just be looking forward to getting down there on campus. Hell yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of this monumental day for you. Good luck the rest of the way at Link Academy. And when you get down to Austin, go ahead and dominate, Trey. Yep. Why not? Yes, sir, for sure. Guys, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Trey Johnson. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. Thank got you. To. And he, uh, McAfee asked about his dad because his dad played at Baylor. Yeah. He's a Baylor Bear. Mm-hmm. And it was down to those two. And the, the, the tie is Rodney Terry was an assistant coach at Baylor while he was climbing the ladder while, Rodney, well, while Trey Johnson's dad was there. 
So they've had a long relationship, um, you know, friends. So from coaches to, you know, to peer. And that was when Rodney Terry was just starting out, so he's still a pretty young guy, mm-hmm. right? And yep. so he still has, he's had a long-standing relationship with Trey Johnson's father. That was the commitment. Also, before we get to who said that, Rod, try to guess. I'm going to tell you who said this. Can we play this? I just sent it to you, Ty. It is, uh, you know, the, 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 that show, The Pulse on ESPN, where they're behind the scenes with the Aggie football program. They have put out the audio now of uh, Jimbo Fisher's final words to his team. Uh, they improved to got their their win over Mississippi State on Saturday, and here is uh, Jimbo Fisher. The light, of course, he was let go the next morning uh, by the brass at Texas A&M. But here's how it sounded: uh, his final words to his football team. Listen, listen. I first of all, congratulations. Great win. Great team win. All three phases had an effect on the game. We started out now special teams. We didn't do real good, and we picked it up and got it going. Can't have that, guys. That can't happen again. That cannot happen again. That, that, that can't happen. But offensively, defensively, great answer. Offensively, defensively, very, very strong. Got got that going. Offense kept scoring, but defense created a turnover tonight. That was huge. Score on a turnover. That's huge. And pressure on the quarterback. Played the run game very well. Offensively, did a really good job of balancing the run game and the pass game, picking up third down. Jalen, outstanding job. Your first start ever. All right, there it was. Jimbo Fisher, last thing he ever said to his team. Did it sound like he knew? Mm, I mean, he probably had an idea. I mean, that's no, no breakup is ever truly surprising and shocking out of nowhere. When somebody breaks up with you, usually after reflection, you look back in retrospect and go, yeah. Actually, I just kind of missed some clues and hints that that thing was happening. Yeah. Now, to get fired and broken up with after a win, that's rare. Usually, it's after a loss. Uh, that's like your you know, girlfriend breaking up with you uh, when y'all are you know, on vacation or after y'all got back from vacation. You thought y'all were in a good place, and then she's like, no, nah, actually, I made my mind up months ago. This thing was happening. I didn't want to cancel the trip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's A&M. Like, they, they made their mind up a while ago. It's like, listen, we're, well, we're, we're doing this thing. Ross Bjork, the, yeah. the AD said he decided after the Ole Miss game. Yeah, he knew. Yeah, but they had to get to the Board of Regents meeting that Thursday to rubber stamp it, but he said he made up his mind after they lost another game, another road game. They haven't run a road game in two years. Come on. Uh, according to Peter Burns of ESPN, he says, of course, Peter's been on the show many times, does a great job there with the SEC Network. He says, according to folks that he's talked to, you can scratch Deion Sanders, Lane Kiffin, and Dabo Swinney off the wish list. Okay. That makes sense, though. Also, I saw an interview with uh, Billy Lucci, right, of TexAgs.com. Lucci. And he said, he indicated that they would like to have a coach in place within two weeks, like by the end of the regular season, so they can hit the ground running recruiting-wise, which would indicate that it's not Dan Lanning or Kalen DeBoer, because those guys aren't leaving. Mm-mm. Those two guys, if that, those, if those one of your top candidates, those guys aren't moving. No, because they're with, in the with, playoff conversation. Yeah, right yeah, I mean, at least one of them. Yeah. And so that seems like if that timeline is true, then it's going to be someone who is available in the next two weeks which is leading people to talk about Urban Meyer. Mm. Um, that's where Dan Campbell – Dan Campbell wasn't leaving right now. 
Uh, Urban Meyer's name, Jeff Trailer, would probably leave at the end of the year. Jeff Trailer, I think he would leave before if they wanted him to. Yeah. He wants that job really bad. Yeah, yeah. And you know, speaking of recruiting, I mean, that's the thing. It was, you know, I keep hearing that Jeff Trailer would be underwhelming nationally, but I, I think statewide, we had Jerry Hamilton this morning. He said the same thing you said, Rod. That he, the, the the fits for Mike Craven was with us yesterday. Thinks yeah. it would be, and Mike Craven is a. Texas UTSA grad who's mm-hmm. followed every step of uh, Jeff Trailer's career yeah. from the high schools to Texas and now at UTSA. Um, it just makes too much sense. It does. But will the Aggies go there? Because you think about hitting the ground running with recruiting rod. He knows everybody. The high school coaches are pushing for the guy. Mm-hmm. They uh, want him. They'll help him. One of us. I mean, One think of about us. if Jeff Trailer gets that job <laughs> and he calls all the coaches, guys, help me out. I need to put a recruiting class together. They immediately, they all come to his aid. Yep, and I got to keep the what I got, and I got to get to my locker room. But I can I can use your help here. No doubt. Yeah, I mean that just makes way too much sense for me. But we'll see. We'll see. That's where it stands with the Aggies. That was Jimbo Fisher's last words to his team. Speaking of words, coming back, we'll find out who said that. Rod, who we got said audio that? from around the uh, sports landscape. Who said it? We'll find out next. Ooh, who, said who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Fabulous fifth hour is coming your way. You just never know what's going to happen on this National Fast Food Day. Thanks for all the suggestions earlier of where I should go chomp on some fast food, seeing as how I don't eat fast food very often, Rod. So on National Fast Food Day, I need to uh, engage. Yes, sir. Engage. So we'll get an update on that where I may head. But, uh, Rod, we got to play Who Said That? Who what do you have for me, my friend? You that? play some audio for me. I do for you and for the audience. Try to guess uh, who may be saying what we're playing. Uh, Ty, I sent you a bunch. I'm going to send you like four or five clips. So just – Dial up any of them, and we'll play. Who said that? Uh, Gary Dolphin, who you know is obviously the counterpart to Brian, is uh, Gary Dolphin. And I have known each other uh, since I've been probably 21, 22 years old. Um, he, he and I always joke around. I went to a golf event uh, in the Quad Cities. He was uh, obviously the radio broadcaster at the time, and uh, I back at that time I was young, early in my twenties, and I'd go play golf as much as I could. And we went to a um, a golf event, a Hawkeye golf event, and uh, it sounds like a joke, but uh, my my foursome was a uh, a nun, uh, a, a man with one arm, and a, a midget. And and um, um, the guy with one arm played with four putters, right? And and uh, we talk about that all the time because it it sounds like a joke, but it was definite reality that I lived in. Um, to play eighteen holes with a nun and can't say anything that you want to say uh, with some other guys was just. Uh, uh, priceless. So I've got a lot of great memories. Um, a lot of people that, uh, uh, you know, are a big part of my life. Um, All right. Who said that? Who said that? I don't know who that is. I know. You're not going to get that. Brett Bielema. He was telling oh, the story. Oh, big Brett Bielema. Brett Bielema tells good stories. You know, he was borderline. Wasn't that borderline erotic guy? Wasn't that him, the borderline erotic guy? Uh, he's telling the story about a golf tournament that he was in, obviously, with uh, his foursome was a nun, um, a little person, and a one-armed man. In the golf tournament. <laughs> One-armed hell a, man. Hell of a foursome. One-armed man with four putters. One-armed man with four putters. Found this piece of audio, right? I think you'll know the voice, but uh, this is pretty good stuff talking about the current state of basketball in the world and okay. in the NBA. Here's uh, some sound. Who said this? Who said that? These young American players better watch out because the European players are better players coming into the league. They're better prepared coming into the league, and they're, they're competitors. The American players in the summer, high school kids – play six games a week yeah. and they have one practice. The European players have one game a week and they have six practices. And then this, the second part is because you have all these games, you stop being competitive. I watch Austin play, you know, growing up and it hurt him. I used to drive me crazy because Austin would not even 
uh, at halftime, he wouldn't take a shot. We just sit. And I remember walking across the court one day, and I was not that type of parent. I said, hey, um, you're going to, like, shoot some free throws? You're going to warm up? He said, yeah, I got five more games today. I'm going to play 48 minutes because the stars in the AU never come out. They could be a 40. They're not coming out. So it drove me nuts watching this. It's even worse now. And so it has to be fixed because we have the talent, but they don't know how to play. They don't know how to play team basketball. Everyone has these individual coaches. And in Europe, they have team coaches. They do three-on-three stuff. And we got to get back to that, or I'm telling you, American players, you're going to lose jobs. There you go. Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers yeah. telling it straight. Uh, yeah. And I think he's, he's spot on. I got his look as who's contending for the MVP, who are the best players in the league right now. Doesn't mean there aren't guys like American born players like Steph Curry and mm-hmm. many others, LeBron James, but uh, he's looking down the road here. If it continues this trend, it's just, you know, why is, you know, Nikola Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic and now Wemby? I mean, these are the best players in the game, mm-hmm. and they're the future of the game. Yep. Uh, it's a, it's a good point from Doc Rivers, but uh, good good ears there, Rod. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, I think that the only player that has a chance to be your next American-born MVP is probably John Moran. And look, he's got a lot of off the field, off the court issues. He got issues, <laughs> right? So I don't know if that's going to work out either. Uh, all right, uh, Ty, uh, who said that? Dial me one of them up. I sent you a bunch of them. Who said that? Do you think the Broncos are going to score? And how? How are they going to score? Run, pass. Who are they throw into? What do you like? They're going to run it twice, and then a, a hard play action on third and short that's going to get a touchdown love this wow. love that thinking yeah. it was a run last time it was a run last time yeah good run run good run wow there's the second there's the run. second one there's the second run i'm pretty sure they hit that against us uh, yeah. uh, yeah. 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 oh oh the double spin throw it up throw it up he's in he's in he's in that's a touchdown. Oh, That's a touchdown. Wow. The runner completed the pass. Touchdown. Touchdown. There we go. Look at Nice job. Mahomes. 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 Mahomes calling the plays. He's he like pre- Romo. He predicted three plays in a row on that touchdown drive for the Broncos. So. He sees him and watches a lot of film on the Broncos. The man knows. <laughs> he knows his ball. The man knows his ball. He's obsessed with film, according yeah. to all the reports. And uh, All right. Now, this is something I've always assumed happened. Okay. But now we have confirmation. All right. Are you a fan of sideline reporters, Rod? Like yeah, the, the I, ladies and guys on the sideline who I used interview. Used to be a sideline reporter myself. No, like, like on the radio, I get that because you're down there for the whole game. But I'm talking mm-hmm. about like the, the during the game, the ones that are grabbing coaches. I'm, uh, I think it's kind of an unnecessary accessory unless there's like a breaking news story okay. happening on the sidelines. But yeah. I understand that on the radio side, I mean the whole game, you're down there bringing in reports, and it looks like this guy's hurt or whatever. Uh, I guess I get it. But here's a, a famous sideline reporter admitting and confirming something I think we all thought maybe did happen. And I've said this before, so I haven't been fired for saying it, but I'll say it again. I would make up the report sometimes because, A, the coach wouldn't come out at halftime or it was too late. And I was like, I didn't want to screw up the report. So I was like, I'm just going to make this up because, first of all, no coach is going to get mad if I say, hey, we need to stop. Uh, hurting ourselves we needed to be better on third down we yep. need to stop turning the ball Pressure over the quarterback we need, yeah exactly <laughs> and and do a better job of getting off the field like they're not going to correct me on that right. so i'm like it's fine i'll it, just make up the report it would be very funny if you were wow. like yeah so i just spoke with arthur smith at halftime wow um i have no idea who that is but that is mind-blowing carissa thompson 
Damn, she just make it up? She just make it up. Hey, I gotta get, I gotta know, say something. I don't know if I like that. I do not like that. I don't like that at all. Don't don't say don't credit it to the coach. You just say they need to do this. Don't say the coach said. Just say, well, they need to do this. And don't even say the coach said. Just have, give your opinion. I don't like that. I don't like I don't like quoting people that didn't actually say that. I'm a guy that's all about the fact. I got papers here to make sure that I get the, the quotes right and I screenshot the thing to make sure I get the, the to attribute the, the story to the right person and all that kind of stuff. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm professional. I'm with you. Not cool. And, Not uh, cool, man. By the way, Krista Thompson does a uh, really fun podcast with uh, Aaron Andrews. Yes. Where they talk about all She's kinds very of things. Talented. She's very good. She's great. She's good at her job. Well, not as good as I thought she used to be. <laughs> She's making up stuff on the fly. You can't Dude, tell the director, you, hey, I didn't you, get him, guys. You know in print journalism? Like, you get canceled for that. Yes, you would. And you get fired and canceled for that in print journalism. But you can do it on TV? It's so weird what's acceptable on television, and it's not acceptable in print. Now she's form. admitting it, like the truth Admit out loud. It. Admitting <laughs> oh, it. I make them up all the time. Uh, right? What, you mean you didn't do your job? You actually, do your no job? To some you're, person you're supposed what? to talk to. What is going on here? Wow, we are. Where are we in society today? That is wild. That is wild. Where's the credibility? Come on, man. Come on, Carissa. You can do better than that. All right, we'll come back. Do what do we do? By the way, Carissa Thompson and uh, Aaron Andrews still taking credit for hooking up Taylor Swift with Travis Kelsey. Those two still okay. believe they were a Matchmaking. big uh, part okay. of that because they're both close with Travis Kelsey and wanted a girl for him. And well, Ty, you got them to thank. <laughs> thank you, Ty. We'll be back. Hook them up with Ian Rodby.